I think before we open up the scriptures to uh, hear what God would say to us today, I think it'd be appropriate for us just to spend some time in prayer. And, you know, there's a lot uh, that are not with us today. I'm looking at the camera. I'm, I'm hoping that everyone back in your homes are doing okay, but I know that we have a lot out that are sick uh, over this last week and, and maybe the last couple of weeks. So I'd like us to pray not only for the sick, but I think of how Jesus instructed us to pray. It's possible to recite the Lord's Prayer without actually praying the Lord's Prayer. And so what you follow along with me and we'll pray, and I'll just use this as a guide to uh, help us in our prayer time today as we begin our, this time of prayer. Our Father, we do thank you for meeting with us together this morning. You are our Father. Uh, this is a family that is gathering here in person. Uh, and those of us that are not able to make it uh, because of uh, illness, uh, help them to know that they, they are missed today and that we, we can still come together and pray. You are in heaven, and we are praying for your will to be done. Oh, your will is revealed to us in the scriptures. And so we pray that we would have a clear understanding of what the Bible has to say about our situation right now, and you would enable us to follow it. May your will be done in our life, uh, here on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that you would uh, allow your kingdom to come. May it be expanded. May the rule of your life and who you are spread through our individual lives into our, our families, throughout our church, and around our country and around our world. Today we, we think about the, the tragedies of the tornadoes that have swept through here in America and how there's this rubble all around. And we pray in the midst of this that you would be honored and glorified, that you would, uh, your name would be lifted up and there would be Christians that would be able to come alongside and help and people would come to know Jesus through this. Your word tells us, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Bible also tells us that we are to thank you for the daily bread that is provided. And so we pray for our health. Uh, we think of people within our church that are not with us today for a, a variety of reasons, some that have COVID, uh, others that have other things going on. And we pray that you would lift this COVID from them and that they would not experience it anymore. The symptoms would be mild, and it would be a, a short period of time before they were able to resume joining with us again today. And we think of just the needs that you would supply for us, whether it's rent or whether it's food or whether it's electricity, heat during these cold months. We pray for you to meet those needs. We pray that you would forgive us, uh, forgive us of our sins, as we live out our days, even this morning, um, we don't always love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, we love ourselves more than others. We don't always love our neighbors. And so please, please forgive us and deliver us from the temptation, deliver us from the evil one. We pray that you would do that 
too, Lord, that we would, in those areas that we are susceptible, you would steer us away, that we would be able to walk in obedience to you. And Father, we pray that our lives, even now, right now through this service, would glorify you. And may we uh, be able to forgive those who have uh, offended us. Help us now during this time to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to have you take your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 2. If you were not with us last week, we in December are just going to push pause on the series that we were going through in the Gospel of John. And we're just going to offer what I've called a theme of the great gift exchange. I, I appreciate those who serve in the automotive industry, and, and we can bring our old clunky cars that are making these screeching sounds that are not running right, and we drop them off, and after a day or so, they, they are running like new, and the, the mechanic says, you can come and pick it up again. Or you can take your appliance or maybe some gadget that you have that's not running the way it should and you drop it off at the technician and they give you a call and say your, your broken device is now restored. Or Maybe you've got some aches and pains in your knee or your hip or your shoulder or your elbow is not working well and you go to the doctor and they, they fix you up. You bring your brokenness, your broken stuff and in return they help make your device, or they help make you whole again. This is the theme that we are running through this month, is that we bring our shattered lives, we bring our discouraged lives, and in exchange, as we remember the promises that are fulfilled in Jesus, God makes us whole. There was an afternoon in which a father sat his wife and his children down just 10 days before Christmas. And as they're sitting around in the living room, he says, listen, this has been a grueling year. Work has been difficult for me at the mill. We're short of workers, and I'm doing the work of two to three men. And I'm not home as much as I would like to. I realize that's placed stress on everyone. School for you kids has been filled with calculus and algebra and reading and writing in Spanish. And it's been quizzes and exams and presentations and labs. And it's been very stressful for you as well. We've had a death in our family. In addition, since Thanksgiving, all of us have gotten the flu. It's been hard. But seven days from today, we're all going to load up in the car and we're going to drive to Grandpa and Grandma's for Christmas. And when we do, you'll see your cousins, you'll see your aunts and your uncles, and you'll be with Grandma and Grandpa. And there will be laughter, there'll be singing, there'll be games, and there'll be more food than you can possibly eat there. And did I mention there will be presents, lots of presents. And I think your uncles are bringing their snowmobiles. We'll have sleds to go down the hill. And I heard the pond is frozen. You'll be able to ice skate as much as you would like. 
So yes, yes, it's been a hard, hard year. But I promise, in the future, there are blessings that await you. And with that, there's an excitement and an anticipation that just blows through the living room. Why? Because this particular dad is trustworthy, and he has never lied to his children before. And as a result, there is a great hope that sweeps through the family. You know, that's a picture of hope. God is our loving, trustworthy Father. And the Bible says of him that he is not a man, that he should lie, Numbers 23, verse 19. And he will offer promises to his children. And we can always trust our Father's promises. There are a lot of wonderful virtues that are highlighted throughout the scriptures. But there is one that gets often overlooked. You remember what 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says? So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is what? Is love. That's right. I think we focus on love, not that we always fulfill it. I think we focus on faith, not that we always live that out. But I think of these three virtues, hope is one that is not emphasized nearly enough. There's the great gift exchange that takes place here during Christmas that is available to you. It is the gift of hope. Perhaps as you've begun to reflect on the Christmas of 2021, you would say this is a year of loss for you. You've lost a loved one. You've lost some relationships. You've lost health. You've lost some freedoms, some familiar surroundings, a loss of security and peace. Often, Christmas is a time when we reflect on our past and what once was and is now no more. And we can sink into some melancholy, some discouragement, and even depression. But I'm here to stand before you today to say that Jesus offers you this hope. You bring your discouragement, you bring your depression, you bring your cast down on my soul, and in exchange, God will bring you hope. Now, I'm not here today to offer hope to you. I'm just simply the the delivery person. I don't know if your family Christmas was like ours, where you'd gather around with grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, and all the cousins, But oftentimes, it'd be time for the gift exchange, and all the little kids, the toddlers, would be assigned to deliver the presents. And you'd read the label on the presents. Oh, take that to Uncle Kenny, or take that to Aunt Marianne, or take that to to Cousin Bobby. And they would kind of fumble about delivering these presents to people. Well, that's kind of me today. I'm I'm here saying, here's the gift that's been provided to you through Jesus. Now, would you receive it? Now, before we begin to open this package, I think we need to understand what is hope. Well, let me tell you what hope is not. Let me give you a few different definitions of what hope is not. Because hope from a Bible perspective is very different than hope that we would see from an Oxford dictionary. 
Hope is not a wish for the best in an unknown future. We might say something like this. I hope the weather will be favorable on Christmas Day so that all my friends and family can gather for a Christmas party. That is not what the Bible means when it says hope. We, we might say, I hope Mason Crosby will be able to kick the ball through the uprights in the closing seconds to win the game. That is not biblical hope. That is doubt. And we wouldn't also say, I hope I win the lottery. (laughs) There there is no hope in that. There's no chance that you're going to win the lottery. Here what else, what hope is not. Hope is not a blind optimism in the face of facts. It's not this idea that you have a tumor. And you meet with the doctor, and the doctor says, listen, if, if you don't get rid of this tumor immediately, you, you will not see the spring. And the blind optimist says, oh, no, it, it'll all work out. It's not going to work out. You need to deal with it. You need to deal with it now. Or the landlord comes to you and says, listen, if you don't pay the rent by the first of the month, you will be evicted that's all going to work out. No, it's not. You, you need to pay that or, or you're going to be evicted. So that's what hope is not. What is true biblical hope? I hope you have the outline in your bulletin because I've taken some thought to this. Here's the best definition I could come up with. Hope is the confident expectation that God will make good on his promises. Hope is the confident, the expectation. Hope is an assurance. There is no doubt in this biblical hope. Hope is a confident expectation. Like the trustworthy father at the beginning of this message, he has said it, he does not lie, and that will settle it. Now there is a relationship between hope And faith isn't there. Hope is faith directed towards the future. Hope is faith directed towards the future. Hope is this confident expectation in God that God, I think Zach in the beginning of the service today said, we can place our hope in all sorts of other things. I think here in America, in the church, we are prone to put our hope in a presidential candidate. And if this person, in this political party, is in office, well, revival is going to break out in our country. And how disappointed we are when that doesn't happen. We we can put our hope in the police department. I'm for the police department. But they're not going to be able to deliver on a promise to be able to always protect us. We can place our hope in a school, in a school system, that if I just drop my little girl or little boy off, and I, and I keep doing that for 12, 13 years, then they are going to know how to read. They're going to know how to do 
calculus, they're going to know how to do chemistry, and they're going to be fully functioning citizens here in this state. They can't always deliver on that. Perhaps we put our hope in a family member, a pastor. The problem is, none of us can deliver. True biblical hope is in God. True biblical hope is fixed on the promises of God that he will make good on these promises. It's not based on sentiment. It's based on scripture. It's not based on feelings, but the facts of the word of God. I think you have this verse there in your outline, Romans 15.4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. One of the reasons we have the scriptures is so that your hope can be expanded. Psalm 119 verse 49 says, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Your word made me hope. Now there's all sorts of examples that we can go through in the scriptures where God offered a promise that would be uh, fulfilled in the future. And that person listened to it and believed and they had hope. Our God is trustworthy and he will always keep his promises. One of them is Abraham, right? In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and here is a man that is 75 years old and he says, you will be the father of many nations. And this story is retold in Romans 4, verses 17 and 18. And it says there, Paul writing, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. So there was a promise laid out by God for his future, and Abraham believed in that promise. He had hope in it. I'll give you another one, and I told you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And so I think here's another example of one who received a promise, and God fulfilled that promise. It's the story of Simeon. In Luke chapter 2, let's just read this account of him, verses 22 through uh, 33. Luke 2. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, he's already been born, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what he has said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this was a righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now that's the promise. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child to Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Did you see it? There was a promise made to Simeon. Before you die, you will see Jesus. You will see the Christ. And there was a hope in that. And then that hope was fulfilled. So there is a hope that is extended to you today. Those of you with the sound of my voice. What does Jesus have to do with this hope? Number two in your outline. Jesus is our source of hope. God's promises are realized through him. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. There's the gift presented to each of you today. It's this hope that you can have. And this hope is fulfilled in Jesus' arrival, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus fulfills God's promises. I heard and I read this week that there are over 3,000 promises in all of the Bible. But I want to offer a word of caution to you. Not all of those promises are for you. Now, we saw some just some examples, didn't we? We saw one of Abraham. If you read or you think that God has a promise that you're going to be the father of many nations, I'm here to tell you that that was for Abraham. If you think there's a promise that before you die, you're going to see baby Jesus, that was for Simeon. Some of the promises are for groups of people that lived at a certain time, like the Israelites. Some of those are for the Old Testament prophets as they spoke about the people that were living at that time. Some of the promises might be for Jesus' disciples during that first century. But many of these promises are, are for us today. So if hope is tied to knowing the promises of God, instead of just speaking in generalities this morning, let me just give you a few promises that we can attach our lives to. I I think there are nine of them there in your outline, and we're not going to take a lot of time on any of them, but I wanted you to have your own list that you can build on, okay? Here's, Here's number one. Here's a promise. God answers prayer. I mean, that's an important one, is it not? Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. I don't know what it's like in your family, if you're uh, the adult mom and dad in the family. Uh, If there's a phone call to be made to customer service, it's often me and my family that do it could be for insurance, could be for the hospital, for the dentist, could be for the phone, it could be some malfunction with the product that we have. Often, most of the time, it's my responsibility to make that call. I represent our family. I'm pretty jaded about this because of over the years, most of my experience at least has not been a good one. (laughs) So my expectations are low. In fact, just last week I was calling about insurance 
and I had the person on the other line. This was my typical experience, 20, 25-minute wait, finally get through. And as I'm just asking questions about health insurance, this person accuses me of fraud and transfers me to like a crisis line or something like that. And, and so another 20, 25 minutes till I finally get someone that can help me. And, and oftentimes when I do that, there will be people that actually are contradicting with one another. And, and as I'm sitting and waiting for someone to provide an answer, the thought has come to my mind, oh, if I could just speak to the CEO, if I could just have a direct line to that person and they could answer my question, oh, how wonderful it would be to have an audience with the, with the CEO of this company. And this is what prayer is. It takes us right to the CEO of all the creation. And we don't have to go through operators. We can, we can be heard by him. I'm telling you something, that means a lot to me. That is a very precious promise. A second related to that, God provides wisdom when we ask. I mean, when's the last time you needed wisdom? Did anyone need wisdom before you got here today? It's, it's I need wisdom in, in, in marriage. I need wisdom in parenting. There are things at work that are just way over my head. There are complications in relationships with my friends and, and what they're going through in their family. I have no idea what to do. What a wonderful promise that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Here's a third promise. God has secured my salvation. Now, I I know that you probably don't struggle with this because you go all throughout the day, and it's just nothing but joy and obedience um, and happiness for you. But I'll tell you this, that's not my life. There's, there's challenges, right? There's times, even in my best days, where I can reflect back and say, you know, I messed up with that. And, and, it, and if you just have an accumulation of all of those days and all of those failures, I'm so glad I'm not God because I might think, this guy's had enough chances. But this is what the Bible says that my Father has given them to me. He is greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Or how about this promise? God forgives sins. And so when we sin, if we confess that sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. Or five, God delivers us from sin. God doesn't want us to be in this habitual pattern of sin. And so the Bible tells us, listen to this, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. One of the devil's lies is that what you are going through, no one else has ever gone through. No one in this room can identify with what you're going through. But God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There is always a trap door. 
There is always a way to avoid falling into that sin. That is a tremendous promise. Number six, God is using hardships to make me more Christ-like. And isn't one of the real sources of hopelessness, of just feeling stuck, like I'm, I'm going through something like right now and there's no use to this at all, there's no way I'm going to get around this, I don't know why this is taking place, but there are all sorts of passages in the Scriptures that speak about how God is using this to make you more like Jesus. Consider it pure joy when you go through this. Listen to what Romans 5 says. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God, what are you doing right now? Answer, I'm making you more like Jesus. And this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Number seven, God rewards those who endure. When that football team across the street is is exercising throughout the off-season, you might think, what in the world are you putting yourselves through all this for? Well, there's a crown. There's a trophy. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Or Here's number eight. Jesus will return again. I mean, that is... That is a golden promise for us. When we see the tornadoes and we see the corruption and we're like, what in the world is going on? But we have this promise fixed in our future that Jesus will come. And number nine, we will see Christian loved ones again. We will see them. There's this great promise, the 1 Thessalonians 4, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Now that's just a a small little list. But you're talking about where's your hope? Your hope is in God and the promises that he has revealed and these promises that he always keeps. Our God is a trustworthy Father. He is saying to us, yes, things might be really hard right now, but I've got a future for you. And just believe in these promises. I always keep my word. Number three, the statement, the third statement about hope today is the hope-filled life yields blessing. You know, 1 Peter 3 verses, 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 4 speak about a living hope. That's a great, it's a great thought, isn't it? That we are to live in hope. What are some of those blessings? One is joy. Proverbs 10 verse 28 says, The hope of the righteous brings joy. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Another one of those is just 
protection or security. It says, the scripture says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is steadfast love. Another one of the blessings that come is strength and courage. Psalm 31 verse 24 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage. All who hope or all who wait for the Lord. When we are anticipating these promises, that stirs within us courage. The story was told in Parade magazine of of a a man named uh, Eugene Land who was a millionaire. He was to speak to a sixth grade class in East Harlem. And when Mr. Land went to speak before this class of 59 sixth graders, many of whom would never graduate high school, he thought to himself, what, I'm going to, what am I going to say to these people? And then he scrapped his plans, and he says, I know what I'm going to do. He decided to speak from his heart, and he said, stay in school, and I will pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. The other blessing that we see here is the word stability. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 The writer of Hebrews says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Hope serves as an anchor. What is the purpose of an anchor? To keep us from drifting. When you drive into pier in the spring of the year and you see all these boats lined up by the dam for the walleye run. Many of them by the dam are anchored. They don't want to drift. They want to keep that spot where they can cast and, and, and catch a walleye or snag a pelican or something like that. And, and the point of it is, is that we tend to drift ourselves, don't we? I mean, think about your relationships When you get married, you're you're all excited to get to that wedding day. But if you are not guarded, within a matter of years, you you drift apart. Your your relationships, unless you are really working on your friendships, those too will drift apart. Church, many of you have been here a long time, and you see people come in, and and they come into Highland Crest, and run. this is the best church in the city. And... And they can begin to drift. We will drift. What, what is the anchor? It's this hope. Hope in the promises of God. So how do we get this hope? Number four, hope in God can be received through faith in Jesus. Jesus comes to make good on God's promises. And one of those promises that he makes is forgiveness and life. Listen to this one, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his 
one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, this is the promise, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you hear that promise? That if you would place your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins, you would no longer put your hope in things of this world, in other people in this world, but you would put it in what God says here in his word, in Jesus, you would be saved and experience the gift of eternal life. This is the gift that's provided for you today, hope. Have you received this hope? Bring your discouragement. Bring your depression. Bring your hopelessness there and receive the gift of hope that is provided for you. Christian, are you living in this hope? In 1 Peter 3, Peter wrote, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Has anyone asked you, what's the reason for the hope in you? I confess to you, I haven't been asked that recently. Are you living in God's hope? Is this something that is driving you and sustaining you? Are you anchored to think, this is what God says, this is what his promise is, and I'm going to fix my life on that? Loved ones, we have a good father. He is trustworthy. And what he says, we can believe. Receive this gift of hope that is provided for us. I'm going to ask, um, is it Miss Karen playing piano for this? Why don't you come? And I want to give you an opportunity here to prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. I want to ask you, are you currently utilizing this gift of hope that God has provided for you? Have you received this gift of Jesus and eternal life? Have you believed in what he has done? Well, we just reflect on these words. What is a promise that is holding dear to you today? Are you, are you fixed on that? I want to give you some time to pray. and If you haven't already, you can take one of the elements in the back and I'll be leading us here in a moment through the Lord's Supper. I want to give you some time to pray and contemplate the hope of God. Please pray with me. And Father, when we think of these promises that we just offered a few here during this message, we think of the forgiveness of sins that is offered. We think of the access of prayer that we have. Prayer for uh, wisdom. We think of how you have sustained us and keep us saved. We could trace all these back to the blood that was shed on our behalf. This is what gave us this relationship with you. So we thank you for it. And then the Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, listen to the promise, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He will come again for the church. And Lord, we thank you for these promises. 
And Lord, may we uh, build our lives, anchoring our hope in these promises as we bring our discouragement and you replace it, you exchange it with your great assured hope. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.